Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast today, one that's a little bit unique for us. And what we've done, we spend most of our time on the podcast talking to college coaches. Occasionally we have some pro guys on the program. And today we're being joined by Sam Freeman. Uh, which I, I'm very excited to get into things with Sam. Sam has spent parts of nine seasons in the major leagues as a left-handed pitcher. Uh, I believe every one of his career appearances is in relief. Uh, I'll give you a quick background on Sam before we jump into questions with him, but I'm very excited to get his perspective uh, You know, through what he experienced in college and what he's experienced as a pro for as long as he's been in the big leagues. He's originally from Houston, Texas. He played collegiately at North Central Texas College, a junior college in Gainesville, Texas. He was drafted there as a sophomore in the 24th round. That would have been the 2007 draft. He did not sign. He then went to Marshall, uh, Division I school in Marshall, West Virginia. was there for one semester, just the fall of 2007. Then in the spring of 2008, he played at the University of Kansas, uh, Division I obviously in the Big 12. In 2008, that year as a junior, he was drafted in the 32nd round by the St. Louis Cardinals, and this time he did sign. Uh, his next couple years in the minor leagues, he was selected as a minor league all-star in 2009 and 2011. He made his major league debut on June 1st, 2012. He played with the Cardinals for parts of three seasons, 2012 through 2014. He spent 2015 with the Rangers, 2016 with the Brewers. 2017 and 18 with the Braves, 2019 with the Angels, and 2020 with the Nationals before he was shut down with an elbow injury, which ultimately required Tommy John surgery. So we're talking to him now during spring training of 2021, where he is currently at home rehabbing. He'll be, you know, rehabbing for this, uh, you know, likely for this this entire year, and then we looking to get back uh, with a major, a big league club in 2022. Um, overall. Sam has spent parts of nine major league seasons in the big leagues. He's compiled a 3.58 ERA. He has 271 career big league relief appearances. He's thrown 233 career innings, given up 197 hits. That's a 228 opponent batting average in his career, and he struck out 232 big leaguers. Sam, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. Oh, for sure, man. Thank you for having me and sharing the platform, man. I really appreciate it. So I usually like to start with something from the bio that stands out for people. There's a lot of places I think we can start with you, Sam. Um, but one of them, I'd just like to talk about your debut in June of 2012. It's probably a question you've been asked before, but I think it's always a, an interesting and unique story to hear about somebody's debut, somebody's major league debut. What do you remember maybe from that game, from that series, from the experience, You know, any guys that, that you faced or anything like that? Uh, anything you can tell us about that? Um, it was uh, Johan Santana's no-hitter. Um, so that was like that, kind of being associated with that. In, wow. like, in history, you know, that's, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a dream come true, you know. It was, um, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you who I faced. It was, uh, it was just, like, o- overwhelming, you know, because I, if I remember correctly, it was... Like bases loaded, and I had uh, I think Jake Westbrook's runners on, and I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he was like, oh man, please, like just just get out and just strand these guys." You know, I don't think it worked out very well for us, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was a learning experience for sure. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the net, the it's played. Tonight. 
before it's frozen in time. It's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For Your sure. first game, the first game you ever pitched was a Johan Santana no hitter. No yes. Yes. Did you get the ball? Cool, Did you get the ball from your first your first pitch? You still have that? Uh, so I I, I have a ball, <laughs> but I think they if I, if if I remember correctly, I think they took all the balls from the game and like made them commemorative or whatever because it was like it was a historical game, you know, it was a no hitter. So I think they took all the game balls and. Did whatever they did. With those. <laughs> don't quote me. Don't quote me. But I'm I'm pretty positive that's the way it went down. But you've got um, ball. I, so I, I yeah I had a ball from that <laughs> from I don't know if it was like a like a practice ball or what. But uh, I don't I don't think it was a game ball. But it doesn't matter. You know it, it's it's pretty, it's pretty funny though. That's pretty funny part of the story. Sam, I'd like to talk to you with you a little bit about. Your experience before getting to the big leagues, your college experience. Um, when you and I have talked before, I know that you're an advocate of junior college. You spent a couple yes. years at junior college and then wound up playing at a you know a power five school uh, where you got drafted again. But you you, know, you got drafted out of junior college, chose not to sign. Uh, if you were to talk to like a 16 year old today, or even 16 year old you. What what kind of conversation would you have just based on your experience? You know, what kind of conversation would you have with a guy that was maybe really stuck on a certain level, really wanted to play at a high level, Division One, or or maybe like they weren't sure if they wanted to sign out of high school or anything else? You know, would you uh, if you were talking to somebody now? Would you would you recommend the college experience? If you had to do it again, you know, would you go to a four year school? Right out of high school, did you did you enjoy the junior college experience? Just kind of wondering what your take is now, since you, you know with what you've gone through. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, if I was talking to my sixteen year old me, I would um, just tell him still go the junior college route, just in terms of um, the the lack of restrictions that they have at that level compared to like some of the D ones or D twos in the uh, NCAA. Um, like you essentially have two fall seasons or two seasons in one year, which is like the fall and then the spring. You know, so um, I know for me, like I would have been a fish out of water if I'd have gone to a four year and just tried to make an impression in that um, in that thirty days that you have in the fall to like actually scrimmage in a team setting or you know show what you can do um, at the junior college level due to them having the fall season. I mean, I, I was a two-way out of high school, so I got tons of at-bats and tons of mound time, you know, so whatever um, deficiencies I had, I was able to improve and get experience that way in games and in inner squads and in practices. I mean, it was uh, the atmosphere was like all baseball all the time and uh, a lot of room for development, a lot of room for growth, you know, so for like the for like the younger kids, like the, let's say a 16-year-old, um, I would really like if if playing at a high level or beyond college is a is a goal. I would really advocate for going the junior college route um, for that extra development time and also like the 
the four-year schools are going to be there at any given time. So let's say you go there to a junior college for a year, and if you want to move on to a four-year university, you can do that after that following year. If you want to do, if you want to go for two years, the four years are still going to be there. So um, I think there's just a lot of extra development time that, that you get at the junior college level um, to improve your skills. You know. How was the coaching for you at junior college? Obviously, everyone's different, but did you get a lot of individual instruction? Did you feel like the coaching was pretty good, or was it more just the amount of time you got to compete against other schools that you don't you don't get that at four year schools because four years are only and I don't know how COVID might change the rules, but four years are only Division ones aren't allowed to play outside competition. Maybe a game, couple games in the fall. Uh, but but at a junior college, you can play outside competition. Like there's like 24 dates or 20 dates or something like that, where you can play like 20 double headers against outside competition. Um, for you, for you and your experience, how was the coaching, or, or was was that a big part of why you advocate for junior college, or was it just the amount of time you got to compete and show what you're capable of doing? Oh yeah, I mean, from my experience, it's like the the, the developmental part of the game. At the junior college levels, like they, like the coaches need the players to develop. You know what I mean? As opposed to like just hit the ground running. From my experience, you know, so um, it was hands on. Like if it if it wasn't for the coach I had in junior college, my career like, would be non-existent. You know, um, like he allowed like there was room for that was allowed for failure, which is like leads to growth in my opinion. Um, that I don't feel you have the luxury of at the four-year universities or the D1s, D2s in the uh, NCAA, you know. Um, so along with the opportunities to play the games and the practices, like the, the individual time with the coaches due to the lack of restrictions was huge. Um, and that was um, as a hitter and as a as a pitcher, you know. Um, like if, I, if it wasn't for the, the coach and the structure at the junior college that I went to, like I, my career would have been done long, long, long ago. Now, why do you say that there's you don't believe there's as much opportunity to fail, which, which again, your experience leads to a lot of growth. Why do you say there's not as much room for failure at the four-year level as there is at junior college? Well, because it's like you have, when you have a smaller amount of time to make an impression, and so, like, if you don't, if you don't show... I don't think you can make a significant impression in the four-on-ones or the individuals um, at the at the four-year level, you know. So, so that leaves you thirty days in the fall and maybe a handful of games or a handful of weeks in the spring to show show what you can do and potentially have an impact. And from my experience, like I like I from talking to other teammates, from my experience at the two colleges that I went to or two four-year colleges I went to. Like, if you don't show what you can do in that short amount of time, it's like you're going to be one of the guys that at the end of the year, if you look at the box score, you're going to have maybe 20 at-bats or a handful of innings and a handful of appearances. Because at the end of the day, it's like the coach is like, hey, they're trying to win. It's like um, they're going to go with their best option to win. You know what I mean? So um, I think there's a – I think there's a – I don't know – conflict of interest or I think there's like a crossroads to where it's like just being cut and dry if the coach's job security is tied to wins and losses it's like what it, What do you think is going to be sacrificed 
like the player's development or a chance to win. So that's that's my opinion. I know it might rub some people the wrong way, but I think just when you when it boils down to it, like if it comes to a player's development or a win or a loss, I think the coach is going to go with the win or loss. You know, so yeah, that's just that's just the way I look at it. And just from the things that I've experienced, things that I've experienced, and just from some of the feedback that I've gotten from other teammates over the years. I think it's an important perspective whether or not that's 100% correct in every program or or maybe it's at least correct in some programs because you probably know as well as anybody that the majority of high school baseball players across the country, especially ones that have a, a potential to play in the big leagues someday, like they, they want to go to the really high Division One level. You know, they want to go to the place that, that you see play on TV. They don't, they don't uh, you know, it's like... Division two, junior college, Division three, NAIA schools are, are an afterthought, uh, and I think ultimately, you know, that straightens itself out over time. But like when you know guys are 15, 16, 17 coming through high school, like that's where they want to go. That's where the big the big uh, recruits want to go. But they don't always know what that experience is going to be like when they get there. And I, and I think you're you're right. There's, you know, I know from my own experience without having coached at the power five level, I've gotten transfers from those levels. And guys that are really, really good players, but maybe they were stuck behind somebody else, or you know, they're stuck behind a, a future first, second round draft pick. So maybe the other guy's a tenth round draft pick, but but he's got like he's a middle infielder, and both the middle infielders are going to be you know first or second rounders, and there's just not a spot for him there. Or you know, you've got guys in the starting rotation in the bullpen who are the same thing, either either like really just really good college pitchers that maybe don't have much of a of a pro career, but they're they're really good college pitchers, and there's other guys that are going to be high draft picks. And, and again, there's a, a 30th rounder stuck behind those guys that doesn't get any time. And I think you're absolutely right that college coaches have to win, or else they're going to get fired. So, and I do think that most college coaches believe in developing their players, but there are some levels where you just don't have to as much. You know, Power Five guys can have. You know, some of the best recruiting classes in the country. They have guys coming in that are very, very highly touted prospects, and that's who's going to be their freshman class, their sophomore class. So, if if like if you're there and you're not working out, and you're not really getting things on your own, or maybe it, it takes you, it's taking you a year or two to kind of get used to the system. There, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get passed up and, and be forgotten. And that's, I don't know that that's the always the fault of the coach as opposed to a uh, kind of a faulty system, but. But I think you're right that uh, with a lot of the things that you talk about, and, and I'm glad to talk about it because I don't think a lot of people want to talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, and like to be clear, it's not it's not um, it's not every program. And so again, like if I was talking to a 16 year old or their parents, it's kind of it's like it's a huge decision. Just kind of whenever you're dealing with these coaches in the recruiting process, it's like ask them difficult questions. Like do the research on your own. Like look at look at the cumulative statistics at the end of the season, and just check to see. It's like what are you seeing? Are the underclassmen getting uh, opportunities to play? Are they? Is there a lot of guys on the roster that like that weren't redshirted that only have a handful of at bats? You know, um, that's and I say that to say it's like that doesn't mean you're not going to have to compete at some point. You know, but at the at the same time, it's like. If you're wanting an opportunity to play or play beyond the collegiate level, it's like be smart in your decision making. It's like, like I, I call that fluff. You know, it's like, hey, the the Power Five conferences, like the guys you see on TV, 
it's like, yeah, you got nice facilities and you get like a lot of stuff, but it's like, what good is that stuff if you're not getting the opportunity to develop and to play? You know what I mean? It's in about, like, I don't want to be uh, misconstrued with this being, um, oh, everybody get. to play you know so it's like I don't I don't see the point in being it's like okay so you got a power five school with a huge recruiting class it's like okay if I'm talking to my 16 year old self I'm going to maybe a D1 AA or a mid-major school to where it's like I know that they're going to need me to play you know what I mean they're going to need my innings or my bats or like I'm going to have an impact or the opportunity to show that I can have an impact. Does that make sense? 100%. 100% because even, you know, to me, a, a an average Power 5 school still has probably better depth than a, a lot of mid-majors that are top 25 type programs. I mean, I, I just, I think that that's true all the time and I think that you're right. Uh, you're there, there are just more, there are more opportunities and, and not, again, not that you don't want competition. Like you said, at some point you're going to have to compete. But I think it's a little easier to find the field at a junior college than a four-year because you don't have as many guys that are established as, like, definitely the starter. Like, almost every year there are jobs up for grabs, whereas at, at other programs it might not be that way. Now, Sam, with you, with with your uh, your experiences with your friends, guys that you talk to, guys that are in the big leagues with you, guys you've been teammates with, does it seem like the majority of those guys played – at the Power Five level, Power Five conferences, or, or do you is is there? And maybe you don't know with some of the guys, but is there a good mix of of levels? Like, do you? I mean, do you have teammates that, that played at like D two, D three, NAIA, came straight out of a junior college, straight out of high school? Like, just from your experience, where have most of your teammates gone? If you're if you know that, there's been a mix, but the majority have came out of four years, you know, or D ones. I would say, you know, there's been a mix of some junior college. There's been a mix of, like, I straight out of high school, like, D2s, D3s. And that's another thing is, like, like if you can play, like, if you if you can play, you can play. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's dudes there's dudes that, like, Matt Adams from St. Louis. I think he's out of Slippery Rock in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, not far that, from me. Yeah, that's, that's a D2, is it? Yeah. Isn't it? So, like, he came in and he took a lot of people's jobs that came out of D1, you know? <laughs> so, I say that to say, it's like, it, like if you can play, like, you can play, man. Like, Paul Goldsmith, he went to Texas State. That's a, that's a mid-major. Like, in the state of Texas, I mean, they were, I think they were in Southland Conference back whenever he got drafted, you know? So, it's like, there's right, right down the street from UT, you know, in the same state as TCU, Texas Tech, you know, uh, Baylor. And so it's like, he's Paul Goldschmidt now, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you can play, you can play. Just kind of, uh, just kind of be smart about the recruiting process, man. Don't get caught up in the hype about the, the Power Five or the, the big time schools. You know, it's, yeah. Cause, cause, and I said, I'd say at the end of the day, if it comes down, to like a win or your development, your development is going to take the backseat of the large majority of the time, you know. And hey, that that might be the case too at a junior college. And my response to that would be, you at least get a fall to actually go out and try and earn a spot. 
without the restrictions. Like you get the, you get those double headers, you get those inner squads, you get the practice time. So there's a lot more opportunity to show what you can or can't do um, at that level. So. I mean, guys, I don't. I don't remember the pitching, pitching wise, but I know in the fall at the couple junior colleges that I coached, there were quite a few guys getting over a hundred at bats in the fall against against somebody. You know, against somebody in different uniform. That, that's just it's different than an inner squad. It, it really is. You're right. There's a lot of opportunity. There are guys getting like 120 at bats in the fall at a junior college level, and I think that's it's huge for development, but it's huge. You just have a, a pretty decent sample size there to show what you're capable of doing. Right. Whereas, like, you get 30 days. <laughs> in, the, in the fall at these four year programs like like what can you what can you really do like what can you really show it's like you have a bad day and then it's kind of like it's like the impression you don't have you don't have much time to make an impression you know um, and I think there's too there's like a misconception about like the junior college level is like like lesser at least like whenever I was coming up like I was like junior college you know like I kind of like like dismissed it a little bit but then, like, whenever I got there, it was like, I mean, just on, out of the two years alone on the team that I was on, there was four big leaguers. You know, and, wow. like, in the conference, I think there was, like, off the top of my head, six. Just off, and that's just within the two years that I was there. Um, or maybe seven, you know, so it's like, it, like, the competition is there, you know, um, yeah, and that, that, that was just big leagues. I mean, that's not even guys that, like, got drafted or made it to high levels in the minor leagues, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, like, good competition. It's not – I don't think it's anything to, like, dismiss or turn it over that um, at the idea of playing at the junior college level. I, I think that – you know, I've said this before in the podcast, but if you've never if, – if people that are listening to this have never – watched a junior college game, I'd recommend that you go to it. Now, clearly, there are areas of the country where junior college is stronger than others. I don't know if people know this or not, but there's there's Division One, Two, II, and Three junior college, uh, and, and the scholarships are different at those levels. So, obviously, the Division Two II and Three, because they offer scholarships, are going to be stronger than Division... I'm sorry, Division One and Two junior college will be stronger than Division Three junior college. But, you know, if, if you're in an area of the country, there's some pretty good junior college baseball... Uh, you should go. You should go watch a game sometime. I think you'd be impressed with with the talent level. Now, for you, Sam, coming out of high school, and, and I, I definitely want to talk about you know your your career as a big leaguer. But um, did you at any point? How how did you how did you guess? I guess how did you decide on baseball, uh, or was baseball always something that that you just that you enjoyed that you excelled at, and that's just kind of what you always did? And I'm asking that just be, and I want to talk about this a little bit if you're comfortable talking about it, but just. You know, minorities in this country, uh, young young black baseball players. There's there's a, a lot of research that says that, uh, and a lot of statistics that say they just don't they don't continue to play baseball. They they stop playing before uh, college. They stop. They don't. There's not a lot of uh, African American players in Major League Baseball. And, uh, and and since you know, just I'm just kind of curious about your background and and just what you. You know, if, if baseball was always it for you, or maybe because you're you're five eleven and a left-handed pitcher, like those two things together, maybe ruled some other sports out. It maybe made baseball the obvious pick. But I'm just kind of curious what your experience was, and and, uh, and and why you ended up, you know, playing baseball as a, even as a kid, like as opposed to some other sports, maybe you excelled at. Um. Well, like like I played like everything growing up, whether it was like street football, street hockey, 
like basketball, like organized sports and all that other stuff. But like from a young age, and I, like I have an older brother who's played a significant influence on my development and just my love for the game as well. Um, like my parents would take my brother and I to the park. Like my dad's a huge baseball fan. My mom played softball. Like growing up, and so like they loved it, and so we all loved it growing up, and it was something we did as a family. And uh, I just grew a love and a passion for it. And um, yeah, and like as I continued to play, and saw like the strides in my development, and it just kind of, it just kind of went hand in hand, you know. Like I, I got grew a love for it, and it was something that I always enjoyed to do. And I grew up, um, my friends in the neighborhood, we all played, and so. Um, if we weren't playing, like practicing and organized practice, like one of our parents would take us up to a local field. We'd spend hours out at a time out there just playing, like playing home run derby, like trying to rob home runs. Like, yeah, it was, it was just something that I, I really enjoyed doing. Like my dad would take us to Ranger games and stuff all the time growing up. So yeah, it's just something that, uh, I love from a, a young age and, and just the passion continued to grow. I know that it's been a while since you've been there, and maybe you're you're kind of removed from it if you don't, you know, have any have any kids or relatives that are kind of that age now. But that's kind of how I grew up too. You and I are similar age. You know, I grew up playing wiffle ball in the backyard with my my older brother who was three years older than me, and a couple neighbors who were three and four years older than me. And uh, and I, you know, I thought that that helped me a lot looking back at things. But we played wiffle ball all the time. We played home run derby. We. You know, we put a little uh, in my one of my neighbor's yards. Like we put a fence up. Like we got his dad to get some, get some like wire fencing. We put a fence up. Like we painted our own signs. Like to have signs on the outfield wall, like a minor league park. And you know, we we did that a lot. Like that was kind of our life as a kid. Like we go to the pool for a little bit, and then we go play wiffle ball, and and vice versa. And that's kind of like that's what we did in the summer. And I just don't you don't see that as much now, or at least like driving around, you just don't see kids do that that much. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on why that you know what's changed or, or maybe why or, or may, and if and whether or not that has anything to do with you know minorities not playing baseball as much uh, you know and 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 you know black children playing gravitating toward other sports as opposed to baseball I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it or if it's you know worth getting into but it's it's curious that you said that, that like that's how you grew up doing all those things and that's how I grew up as well. I love baseball all my life, but you just don't see that many kids doing it around town now. I don't know if it's because of video games or or the game has gotten too expensive or or travel baseball or what it is. Maybe, maybe you have some thoughts. So like uh, I we actually had a conversation with um, one of our family friends who like their sons uh, doing the travel ball stuff now, and I think I I would I would lean more towards like the travel baseball part of it as far as why you don't see kids around town like playing like in a, like our um, like playing the way we did growing up and like she made the point yesterday it was like like and even back then like in, in rec league or little league is which I played in it was like you would play maybe like a, on, a, on a Saturday you know and so it's like you don't like you don't play very often and so I think like travel balls become like uh, more prevalent here in my opinion and so I think they're going there. It's like you get to play more often, you get more reps. And so um, I think I think that's the step that they took to. I think the games that they're playing on travel ball kind of make up for the playing in the street or like the stuff that we were doing when we were growing up. Does that make sense? Like at least that's my thought on it. You know. Yeah, and you're probably right. And that's I, I think that's great for development. 
but I also just personally worry that it that it drives some people out of baseball who like I, I've looked at numbers of how much it costs to play travel ball like how much families are spending there were some statistics like one of I can't remember who it was if it was Rachel Folden or, or one of the one of the women who's now coaching in in minor league baseball posted something sometime during the pandemic about how much how much families are spending and it was like it was something stupid Sam like 11 to 15 year olds the average family of an 11 to 15 year old who's playing travel baseball and I'm just my numbers are probably not accurate but something close to this it was something like $24,000 a year and, no, and I'm, I, I, sw- I swear to you, and I'll have to look up the tweet and find it again. But it was an, it was a just an asinine number. It was a number that like I'm looking at that thinking like, oh, Mike, I'm not gonna be able to. My kids not gonna be able to play travel ball. Like, it's, who can afford that? Where? And, and, and the parents are, are probably fighting for like these kids are fighting for scholarships or, or will be when they're older. But like, if your scholarship's twenty four thousand a year. <laughs> <laughs> but you're playing yeah, travel ball for six, seven, eight years. Like you're not even going to make that money back. I just, I don't know how people can afford it. Yeah, um, I didn't. Really, I didn't. Wow. So like last, we had this conversation last night. And it was, I just did like a, a rough, like five grand. And let's say you're doing that from twelve to eighteen. Like my math isn't very good. So five times was that a six? Twelve, thirteen, forty, fifty, sixty. Yeah, so that's like thirty-five G. By the time you get there, is that correct? It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's a crazy amount. Yeah. yeah, I'm allergic to math, so I, <laughs> I struggle with that a little bit. But uh, so by the time you, you think about it, it is like just the way that scholarships are set up in baseball. I say, like you get eleven point seven. Let's say if you go the D one route or you go the four year route, it's like you're. I mean, you're not making that up, you know. So it's kind of counterproductive if that's like the goal you know now some families like I think that they just they just like that they just like to pack the kids up on the weekends travel around cross state cross country and then that, that's just that's like their family vacation stuff you know so I mean yeah I, I, yeah I, I don't know I don't know man. it's a I, I just I know it's expensive and, and obviously kids don't have to play at that you know they don't have to play travel ball, but but a lot of families do, and I just it's it's expensive. I don't know how the families I don't know how families do it. Uh, at what point of your career, then your your playing career, like at what point did you think you actually had a chance to play in the big leagues and make a career out of this? Because it's one thing to be in high school and getting some offers, things like that. So then you get into junior college and and to even be drafted. But at, like I'm sure at points of the minor leagues. You have ups and downs. Obviously, you had a nice minor league career. You got you ascended pretty quickly. Uh, but at what point did you actually feel like, Sam, that you had a chance to be a big leaguer? Oh, wow. Um, it really hit home for me in junior college. Um, my freshman year after my first start in the spring. So, like, like I'm a pitcher now, but I hated it in high school. My first year in college freshman year like first spring like I hated it like I wanted to be a switch hitter because I naturally hit right handed I wanted to be a switch hitter and play center field like that was my passion I loved it and then but I always had a good arm and my pitching coach the guy that I was refer- referencing earlier Mark Allen 
like he always saw he was like man like pitching is where it's at pitching is where it's at and I didn't buy off into it and like they I started the home opener that spring and I topped out at 93 and I got a letter from uh, a giant scout and it was for pitching and I was and I like I, it was something that I hated I like I um, I only worked on it just because I was drafted or I was recruited as a two-way player and so I thought to myself I was like man I I've like devoted the last probably like six years of my life to the outfield and then I step on the mound one time and I, I flash a decent number and I get majorly interest and then like so that day forward it was like okay you know like that was like that was the first time I got received any interest from a major league club and so I would say that day my freshman year in uh, junior college that's awesome uh <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it took some time for you. Like, at what point? I mean, do you do you love pitching at this point, or do you still like to go out and take batting practice? Uh, you know, it, at some point, did you come around to just to really enjoying pitching more so than hitting? Oh yeah, yeah. Like it. Now I still like I still I ended up hitting my sophomore year, um, but like once once I like once I received that letter, I knew that it was pitching that was gonna take me to where I wanted to go. And then, and I was I was getting lit my freshman year. Like, it, it wasn't a good year. It was a character building year on the mound. But I had I had a lot of success my sophomore year and then I ultimately got drafted as a pitcher. And so I was like, okay, you know, like that. that's when like the complete buy-in, like at that moment, I didn't, I didn't have any interest in playing center field anymore, you know. Um, because I, I, even though I had committed and signed to Marshall as a two-way player, like after putting all that work into playing the outfield and hitting and running the bases and working on my speed and all that other stuff, not having any interest at all as an outfielder, but as a more like the only interest as a pitcher, like okay, you're pretty much wasting your time on that end, you know. So um, yeah, that's that's whenever I really bought off into it and like fell in love with the idea of pitching. That's an easy way to fall in love with something when other people think you're really good at it, and it's easy it's easy to like something that you're good at. Um, I think at some point, a lot of people probably uh, you're you're persuaded to do things that you're good at over time, just because it's 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 easy. It's fun to do things that you're good at, right? No, like um, the like the freshman year, I like we my the coach coach and I kind of clashed quite a bit because he like he saw it and I like I wasn't trying to buy off into it and so like there was uh, like yeah yeah like I I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy pitching like very much at all that that time during my freshman year so once you started uh, going through minor league baseball or even in your big league career when when things weren't going well for you, Sam, I'd like to talk a little bit about this for for a bit. When things weren't going well, which I'm, I'm sure you had some rough times, whether it was a rough outing, uh, whether it was a rough month, whether it was this is your, this is your second Tommy John right now, right? Yes, sir. So whether it's injuries or whatever it may be, when you've had difficult times, 
may, maybe times where you doubted a little bit. You doubted whether or not you could make it, or maybe it was one of the years that you were a free agent and just like didn't didn't know you weren't getting a whole lot of interest and felt like this might be it for me. When you've had tough times, who's somebody who's been there for you to to help you through these times to kind of rebuild your confidence when you've needed it to help give you some motivation? Um, you know, may, again during during rehab or, or during stretches where you haven't necessarily seen success, or during times like you were in the big leagues and got sent back down, and probably you just I can't imagine what that feeling is like. Who's somebody that you that you have or had uh, in your life that that has helped you through the more difficult times? Oh wow! So there's been at different stages, like um, early on, early on, and even even now, um, the my pitching coach in junior college. He um he's he's like my brother now you know like he introduced me to my wife um he's always kept me he's always been the guy I can, I can reach out to that'll put things into perspective like get me right mentally back to where I need to be uh, my parents and my wife my wife now um just so there's different people over the course of over the course of my career but like from the get go has been um, Mark Allen. He's like, he's actually, he's a pitching coach now at the University of Illinois. Um, he's been, like, he's been, yeah, like, he's been there for all the ups and the downs. Like, like on the ups, he's been there to be like, hey, man, like, this, this, this ain't a done deal. You know, you got work to do. You know, he's always kept things in proper perspective. So, um, yeah, yeah. I will say uh, Mark Allen, my parents, and my wife, they've all been there during the, uh, during the downtimes. Can you talk about any any particular time for you that that was maybe more difficult than others? Whether it was an injury or whether it was getting sent down at some point, or like, can you can you just give us one time? And I want to talk about this, Sam, only because I think anybody that's still playing has either gone through a time when it just it hasn't been fun, you know, and 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 they've struggled and and have needed something to have needed to pick me up in some way or another, or coaches listening to this that maybe forget what it's like, you know, to have a tough time and have a tough time relating to players that are going through some stuff. Uh, can you talk about, is there any particular time that stands out to you that maybe, and maybe it's the time you're going through right now, I don't know, but any time that, that kind of stands out to you as being more difficult than others where you've had to put some extra effort in, I guess, to just to kind of pushing through something or um, or just needed a, need, a little, need a little something to kind of help you still believe in, in what you're doing. Oh man, like back to 2011, it was. Now there's been there's been plenty of those times. You know, I've, I've been knocked around plenty of times. But just like uh, once you when you asked that, the first story that came to my mind was 2011. Um, I was, it was my first year back from TJ, and it was the I was eligible to be put on the 40 man roster the following year, and I started off strong, and. The month of July came, and I started. I couldn't buy it out. I was getting knocked around the park, getting hit all over the place. And I'm like, man, what's going on, man? Started kind of feeling sorry for myself a little bit. And then I remember talking to Coach Allen, and, like, he's a, he's a different dude. He, like, he's not gonna, he's not the type that allow you to feel sorry for yourself. And I remember telling him, I was like, man, I'm, I'm like, trying to trying to get on the 40-man roster. I'm trying to, and I was, I was just putting extra pressure on myself. And then he goes, uh... <laughs> he goes, well, uh, the way you've been pitching, would you put yourself on the 40-man roster? 
I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I was like, and so that, because a lot of it was like me at the, at the time just pitching not to lose. You know, it was, it wasn't going out there pitching like, like attacking and all this other stuff, you know? So that kind of like put things back into perspective. And I was like, that like dialed me back in, you know, locked me back in. And, uh, yeah, I, I does that, does that kind of fit what you were asking? I got out like, um, yeah, or, I, I or, just or, wanted, or, I mean, how'd you, how'd you come back from that? I mean, what, so what you, you heard that in the mentality at that point was, was what? Cause obviously you had a really good, a really good 2011 minor league season. So when you, you're getting knocked around in spring training, you hear that from one of your coaches and, and then what? Oh, I went on, I went on a run. <laughs> like, like, um, that, so the first half I started with like a sub one. Uh, uh, I think like I think I gave up like one run through like twenty innings or something like that. Well, like the month of July, I think I gave up like eleven, and I think I was rocking like a like a mid five or something. And then that's when we had that conversation, and then I just went on a run, <laughs> like I went on a pretty strong run. I think I got to like a three or whatever, you know. And so um, it kind of it was like, hey man, like quit feeling sorry for yourself. It's like go. Like nobody's gonna rescue you, you know. Nobody's gonna save you. Uh, there was another. There was another one that stands out. Uh, twenty. It was twenty seventeen. I was in uh, spring training with the Braves on a minor league deal. I had uh, I had been getting knocked around in big league camp. Like twenty sixteen was a disaster. It was like it very like a bad a bad minor league camp could have very well been the end of my career. You know, um, Dom Chidi who was the uh, pitching coordinator for the minor leagues. Uh, he, he went out of his way. He pulled me aside. And, like, he, he, he was like, hey, man, like, you got it. You're good. It's like, and he, he just started telling me, he's like, hey, folks, on, like, hey, down and away. So, right, he just, like, just give me cues to, uh, like, give me dial back in. And then I remember we had a meeting. It was like a pitcher's meeting. And he was talking about, uh, like, as a reliever, he's like, hey, don't be afraid to walk a dude. It's like, like, go in. It's like, hey, which is which caught me off guard. You know what I mean? Like my entire career, it's like, hey man, get ahead, stay ahead. And he tells me, he's like, hey, as a reliever, like go in there, try to strike these dudes out, man. Like attack them with your best stuff. If you walk them, who cares? And that blew my mind. Like I was like, wait, what? like what? You know? And it's like, so he was the he was the bullpen coach for the Orioles. Like, um, I, I don't know the exact time, but like. The Orioles bullpen was solid. They had like Dan O'Day, uh, Zach Britton, and a few other guys that I'm, I'm like I, uh, I'm not remembering right now. But they had a, they had a solid bullpen. So it was like like hey, this is what we did. And so after the meeting, I went up to him and I was like, hey man, so like how these guys is like how how'd you get them to buy off into that philosophy? Because I mean it's like for the longest time it's like hey man, get ahead, stay ahead, like don't walk those, you know. And he goes, he goes, Sam, you could pitch a long time if you have that mentality, which was like, hey, just go after dudes, like, forget about a walk. He goes, you could pitch a long time if you have that mentality. He goes, guess how long you'll pitch without it. I was like, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. He goes, about as much time as you have in the big leagues. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. You know, so he's essentially telling me, he's like, hey, if you keep pitching, the way that you have been pitching is like your career is over, you know? And it was like, it was harsh, but it was true, you know? And so, yeah, that, 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 uh, 
that turned things around for me a little bit. So that was uh like that advice, like that him going out of his way when he didn't have to. Well, like I, I couldn't have done anything for him, you know. So for like like him doing that, that was that was huge. Like I said, like I don't know if that answers your question or or what, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. So maybe you just answered this question, Sam, but. For you coming up through the minor leagues, like what was the key for you to become a big leaguer? So just for example, you read, you know, if you read any prospect reports on, on whatever, it's like, okay, this guy, this guy's got great stuff, needs to work on his command. This guy's got great stuff, needs to develop his change up to be, you know, a big leaguer. This guy needs to work on, um, you know, getting lefties out more consistently or whatever it is. Like, for you coming up through, what was one or maybe two things that, like, for Sam Freeman to be a mate, to go from being a minor leaguer to a major leaguer, these things needed to happen? Was there anything that was key? Maybe it was development of a pitch or or just commanding your stuff, or, or maybe it was that, what you just talked about, the the, the mentality. Um, is there anything that, that you think was the like you had to develop this and it, this was absolutely imperative if you didn't develop that you never would have made it but because you did develop this or you made progress here you did make it uh, I would say like from the feedback I would get from the organizations like hey breaking ball you know because like during that time like the lefty lefty like Luby stuff was a like was pretty big you know it was like hey you're left handed you need a slightly like you need a breaking ball breaking ball and um like I was I'm like a hard-headed individual, you know what I mean? So I was like, I was, I was having success with like a, like a split, you know, whether it be lefty or righty. And like that, me being hard-headed and not developing a breaking ball, I would say like I either stalled or delayed my development and getting called up or like the success that I had, you know, like I know, um, like whenever I initially got called up, it's like, I'll be honest, like, my breaking ball was trash for, like, the first, I'll probably say, until, like, 2017. You know, like, I would I would run into a few here and there, like, some decent ones. But, like, on a consistent basis, it, like, it, it wasn't very good, you know. So, it was, like, me being hard-headed earlier in my career and not taking that, not taking that time to develop, um, that probably hurt and or delayed my um, time getting to the big league. I'm sorry if there's any like the like somebody's mowing the lawn. Like I don't know if you hear that in the <laughs> background trying to uh, get to a quieter spot. No, it's not. It's not affecting us at all. Um, okay. I, I love hearing these stories, and I it's you know it's cool for me. I don't. I, I hate to sound too much like a fan, but I, I appreciate hearing you know just stuff that you that you go through and, and things that people wouldn't. You know, maybe wouldn't understand if you haven't been through it before. Um, another thing I'd like to ask you about, and I I'm, and I don't mean to just focus on all the the stuff that maybe isn't isn't the most flattering or isn't the the, the most fun thing to talk about. But I'd like to just ask you a little bit about you know what it's like to to be in the big leagues and get sent down. And another thing, just mentality wise, because even if a you know if a high school player is listening to this. Or a college player's listening to this. There's nowhere to get sent down to necessarily. Maybe the JV team, but but at the same time, like guys can switch roles. You know, you might you might think you're going to be in one role and you don't get it, or maybe you maybe you start out as a weekend starter and you get bumped down to like a, a you know a middle reliever or whatever, just because other guys are outperforming you or you sort of had a bad period. But I just want to ask, 
you know, for you as a, as a big leaguer who's, who's, you know, gone through it multiple times to be, uh, to get sent down during a season, like you've obviously, you can't go down, you can't get sent down and fold. You can't get sent down and, and, and feel bad for yourself because then you're going to get knocked around in AAA and then your career might be over. Right. So how, how do you, as a, as a player, like what's your, how, how have you dealt with that in the past? What's your mentality been like? And how have you continued to persevere through through those sort of difficult times? Well, like there's a there's a phrase I, I like to call like character building. You know, like it's like he's like you find out about yourself whenever things aren't going your way. You know, so it's like if you're getting knocked around, it's like okay, it's like well, how are you going to react? Because it's like it's easy to show up to the park whenever you like you got a nice little like scoreless streak going, you know, like you're just getting everybody out. But it's like, you really find out about yourself. It was like, like when the adversity hits, you know, so I always like to challenge myself that way. Um, and also too, just kind of realizing it's like, that's a reflection of like, they don't think you can win, you can help them win. You know what I mean? It's kind of harsh, but I mean, it's like, like, I like to think of that as like, you know, where you stand, with the organization or with the team he's like you don't ever have to ask you know it's like you're like your playing time like you being up or down is most likely a reflection of if they can if they feel you can help the team win or not so it's like well if you're getting sent down then there's work to do you know um yeah i mean that's that's the kind of way i like I've, i've approached it and whenever i get sent back down it's like hey you better stay locked in it's like there's no like there's no it's like it's essentially whether it's right or wrong my approach was like hey they're waiting me out they're trying to wait me out you know what i mean it's like you go down there and you continue to uh perform the way you perform up there you're definitely not going back now you know so like if you apply this to a guy that gets knocked out um from a weekend starter to a midweek starter like well in that midweek start get it back on track or you might go from a, a midweek starter to not starting at all, which is what happened at Kansas when I was at Kansas. So it's, uh, yeah, I have experience in, in that, um, regard, I guess, so you can speak. You've got a lot of things that you've gone through that have helped that I, that I think give you a good perspective. And, and I want to talk about maybe one of the last things we'll talk about there are a lot of uh, a lot of coaches that are a lot of coaches being hired at the minor league level, and, and some of them have have progressed to the big league level. People that um, that come from you know college programs, guys that never played pro ball, maybe guys that never played the position, or or I shouldn't say just guys, guys and and or girls who have never played the position that they're coaching. But you know, but they they've they've had good success elsewhere, or they've just done enough research, or whatever that, that these organizations feel like they need to hire these people. But I think that, you know the the perspective. I, I always feel like the perspective that you can offer from your playing career is important. It's not the only thing, and certainly I don't think someone should just be hired as a coach because of what they went through as a as a player. But for you, when you're being coached. Does it matter to you what the background is of the coach? How much success the coach has had? If the coach has been through what you're going through, 
you know, does that stuff matter to you or does it, does it matter more about what they know or does it matter more that they've been through it before they know what it's like. So they know how to help you through it. Does that make sense? Um, like the, like being able to relate helps, um, just because like, I think their perspective is a little bit different in terms of, it's like, Hey, they know what it's like to get knocked around or they're cashing somebody else's runs. And so I think the approach might be a little bit different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, um, but on the flip side, like, like Mike Schilt, I don't think he didn't ever, he never played, you know, he's the, he's the manager for the Cardinals, but it's like, but like his approach, like he's the man, you know what I mean? Like, like nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna go up there and be like, Hey man, you never played because like, like the way he approaches it is like, He'll tell you, he's like, hey, I never played, but here's what I expect. So I think, I think it all depends on the approach. Does that make sense? Like, um, yeah, does that, does that make sense with what I'm saying? Like, I, like, if you played, I think it could help. And if you didn't play, I don't think it should be like an automatic dismissal of like what you can possibly bring to the table. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think where people get turned off, like from the people that did play, is hey, it's like hey, I played, so what I say goes automatically. You know, just take my word for it, and it's like kind of end the story. And then for like the people that didn't play, it's like approaching approaching it without. Let me see, how do I say this? Like, um, kind of not appreciating like the difficulty of what's going on. You know or taking that into consideration whenever certain things are being addressed. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I can see both sides of those of those arguments. And, and even in addition to those, sometimes the people that played, especially if the player was good, like, I don't know, sometimes I, I've felt like, and i felt in the past that maybe maybe this, this guy can't understand what I'm going through because he never struggled like this before. Right, right, right. I like can see he, that. he was much better. He was a much better natural hitter than me, and like what I'm struggling with right now has always been really natural for him. I don't know. I think mean, I just think there's both sides of both. You know, there's there's two sides to both of the, both of it, uh, both things. I just I was kind of curious just just for you. You know, again, a guy that's been uh, in the big leagues for quite a while, and 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 whether or not that means much to you, like. I don't know who all your pitching coaches have been, but just kind of, I was just kind of curious if it mattered to you, like whether this guy fizzled out in single A or whether he got to the big leagues or, or whether he never played past college or, or, or whatever. I just, just, I don't know, kind of curious again from you're in a, you're in a much different place than I am. Uh, and I just, I just kind of wonder what your perspective was and if it matters to you, you know, with, with your big league, you know, with the, who the pitching coach is and who the bullpen coach is and, and just, and what their, what their experience has been like as, as far as how they can relate and how, how their message comes across to you. Yeah, no, like, like one of, like one of my, the best coaches I've ever had, he, like he played at the, like he stopped playing at the collegiate level, you know, like he didn't play in the big leagues or in pro ball, but it's like, I wouldn't have, like I've, feel more confident or comfortable asking him about pitching than some of the other coaches that I've had that have gone on and, play, and played in the big leagues or in higher levels, you know. So it's like, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it, for me specifically, I don't think it, it matters, you know. Um, I think it just is like how you relate to the player 
um, and how you how you get your message across. You know, I think being able to relate is is like um, is helpful. You know, um, just because you have some perspective of uh, what the player or pitcher is going through. But I mean, that doesn't mean that people that didn't play or play at a high level can't be helpful as well. So yes, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Now, Sam, I, I hope you have a good, long, big league career in front of you. Um, but have you thought at all about what you might do when, when you when you're done playing? Do you think that that coaching or, or managing or anything like that it might be uh, in the future for you at some point, or do you have you have you not given it much thought, or maybe it, there's a different route that you have in mind? Oh no, man, I'm I'm focusing on playing, man. Like I, I like uh, I I started I started at the end of like 2019 like I was like I thought the writing was on the wall man and I was like I started like hey man my career's about to be over I started like I re-enrolled in school and all that other stuff and it like to me it felt like I was like giving up on myself you know like selling myself short and so like from that moment on like I I finished that course and I'm like man I'm I'm letting it ride dude like just <laughs> gonna keep going whenever because because like as soon as you start like dipping that toe in other waters like you're like you're almost like 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 leaving yourself room to exit you know or like opening up the door to like leave you know so it's like i i don't want to do that man it's like like this is what i've always wanted to do and so i'm i'm giving my best and focus on this and try and let it go as long as it can man i love that perspective and i think it's important i think even as a player it's important uh, to keep that perspective, even if you're just say you're a senior in college, you know you're not getting drafted. Like you've gotta, you've gotta stay focused where you are, or else you're going to, you're, you're not going to do as much as you as you can where you are. And like you're right, I mean in your position, especially if you start thinking about what your other options are, maybe you'll find yourself out sooner than you want to. Um, Sam, I've got a couple of uh, a handful of, of questions I want to ask just to kind of wrap this up. These are like quick, kind of quick answer, short answer type questions, but. Just some stuff I think might be cool to ask somebody that's that's been through, uh, you know, been through what you've been through, done the things that you've done. So if you're cool with that, I, I, have a, I have a handful of things I want to ask you here to kind of wrap things up. Sure. All right, maybe the, the first one, hopefully, is a fun question for you. Who's the biggest name guy to hit a home run off of you? Oh. <laughs> um, biggest name guy, I would say Paul Goldsmith. That's a good name. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about uh, on the flip side of things, uh, the biggest name maybe of a guy that you've struck out that you recall that you maybe specifically remember that at bat? Oh, um, I, I think I say Prince Fielder. I want to say I think I, if I remember correctly, it was on like a foul tip. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Prince Fielder in twenty twelve. If I remember correctly, and, and Prince Fielder in 2012 was the man for with people the, who, who yeah, don't yeah, remember with, that. With, uh, Detroit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was pretty pretty stinking good there for quite a while. Um, jersey numbers, Sam. How many jersey numbers can you remember that you've had in pro ball? Pro ball, um, or maybe just in the big leagues. Eight. You've played in a lot of big leagues. Uh, <laughs> big leagues, it was 61, 71, I think 51. 39, I think, so four, I want to say. Those are some true reliever numbers there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Who's the favorite manager you've had, either in the minor leagues or the major leagues? A guy that just that you that you loved playing for, and you'd love to play for him again, maybe if you had another opportunity. Oh man, um, Mike Schilt was the man. He's the man. I heard that from a lot of people, him, actually. And, yeah, yeah. Um, in 2012, he was the manager of Double A. He's the man. Uh, yeah, he's the man. How about a teammate that you had that maybe had a bigger impact than anyone else, whether it was early in your career or, or even later in your career, but a teammate that you always kind of remember that, that like really helped you out and, and somebody that you you may be pretty grateful for the impact they had on you? Jason Mott, hands down. Um, I remember even before, like my, it was, um, like I was in 2009, my first spring training, I got to back up a big league game and it was intimidating and it was like you had like the horses you had Wainwright, Carpenter, like all just on the staff. Um I wanna say I think West I don't know if Westbrook was there. But they like they were they were like an older older staff and it was like it was like Marusa was there and it was it was it was like straightforward. You know, it was it was so it's like I'm walking on eggshells everywhere I go, like backups, like trying to stay out of the way. Mott went out of his way, talked to me, like uh, just like kind of ease some of the anxiety a little bit. And um, yeah, he's the man. Like when I got called up in 2012, um, had an awful outing for my debut, and uh, he was like, "Hey man, just shake it off." Like like he like he's gone out of his way. He's gone out of his way like to to help help. Myself, my family, we were teammates in twenty from twenty twelve to let's say twenty fourteen, and then back again in twenty seventeen when he was with the Braves. He's the man, like yeah, Jason Mott, hands down. What's the favorite big league stadium that you've played in? Ooh, PNC. I love asking that question because I hear PNC a good bit, and I'm a you know I'm a Pittsburgh guy, mm, man. It, <laughs> man, hey, that's. No joke, man. That the uh, yeah, yeah. Stadium, that stadium's sick. Got the bridge in the background. Like in that, I take into consideration like where we stay. Like we stay within walking distance. They got like uh, normal people food. You know, they have like where we stay. They have like a Chipotle and a Qdoba across the street. You know, so it's like yeah, good food. Walking that you can walk to them from the field. Stadium is sick. Clubhouse is nice. Yeah, yeah. How about going back to? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so, quick story. Twenty, I think it was 2013. It was the NLDS. I think it was the Pirates, their first year back in the postseason. And we were like, we I was with St. Louis, and like we I, we were taking BP or stretching before the before the gates opened, and it was it was probably it was so loud it was like roaring. And then whenever we were announcing the starting lineup, man, it was it was crazy how loud that stadium was, man. That was sick. That was the loudest stadium I'd ever been in. Crazy. Man, it's uh, it's a shame to be to, <laughs> not to digress, but to be a pirate fan. I think that the fans here are so great. I think they're really great fans here, and you just. You know, baseball, major league baseball fan, major league baseball players don't get to experience that much because because the Pirates suck so much. But when the couple of years when they went to the playoffs, I, I I went to one of those games. I went to the uh, the wild card game against the Cubs. I guess it would have been 2015. But this, even then, the stadium 
was that was the most electric atmosphere I'd ever been in in my life. It was amazing. And I just I wish that, that the Pirates could make some sort of a push to be in a, you know a playoff team on a regular basis, so that people could see how good our fans are. I think they're really good. Man, that was, that was amazing. That atmosphere was crazy, crazy, crazy. How about the favorite your favorite uniform that you've worn? Like like just the 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 best the best colors, the best uh, the best whatever. Like home away jersey, alternate jersey. Like favorite uniform that you've worn. Um, I would say the Brewers. Uh, the pinstripe with the um, the like uh, the blue and the white home pinstripe with the uh, the NB on the hat, the old school. Yes. The old school was the Harvey's wall banger. Like those uniforms. <laughs> yeah, those are those are sick. Those, those are, are sick. sweet. Last one. Um, who is one one guy that you faced in the minor leagues, and, and maybe the earlier the better? You faced him as a pitcher. And after the game was over, after the series was over, you thought you looked at that guy and you said, "Man, that guy is going to be a big leaguer." Um, like I mean, like off the top of my head, it's I mean, it's like Mike Trout, which I think everybody thought so. <laughs> but but in my defense, like what stood out to me was how fast he was. It was crazy, like I. It looked like he was running on the cuts of the grass, like that's how fast he was running. Like, like I, I, I know that's kind of like a like a cheap answer or a boring answer or whatever. But like, like the thing that said, like out of all his other tools, it looked like on balls in the gap, it looked like he would go first to third on the cuts of the grass. Like that's how. Like I, I yeah, um, I'll try to think of I'll try to think of some other ones. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, That's okay if he's your like, answer. I mean, he's he's a guy that I, I think probably a lot of minor league pitchers faced him and thought that guy's going to the big leagues and he's going to be there for a long. Well, time. yeah, man. But it, like, it, it's kind of it's kind of cheap, you know. Because like, <laughs> at least in hind, like in hindsight, you know. Um, let's see. I mean, Stanton. <laughs> you know, like I'm kind of age or aging myself, whatever it's called, but showing my age. Um. What was Stanton like in the minor leagues? Just huge. Just put. I don't know if you've been down to Roger Dean Stadium for or Jupiter for spring training, but I, have. I mean, he was putting balls like on the building, just, like <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Acuna in in uh, twenty eighteen. He was a. <laughs> He was uh he was uh in big league camp. I mean you kinda heard him. I don't think he was like a like a highly paid prospect back then. Or or just I don't think his signing bonus was like crazy. Um but I mean he's like a he's like a like he's more he's been more filled out, but he was like a slender dude. I remember he got in live and I had like a couple pitches left and I was like, Hey I just hollered at him because he was like waiting for the next group and he was warming up. I think it took like a practice swing or two, and I'm I'm like I I challenge like y'all I'm challenging. First pitch, whack, dude, he's off the off the wall in right field. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, man. Like, all right. Which I mean, like, just I guess. And he was in big league camp, and he was like one of the top prospects. Where so it was like he's gonna be a big league, but like actually like seeing it. 
and just like the easy how easy it was it was like okay um uh like when Sam, uh, Sam, when you're playing minor league baseball, do you know, like, do you know the opponents and like who the who the top prospects are? Like, are you aware of that? Just like, is that in the scouting report? Is it just something like you just hear buzz about guys? Like, do you do you know who are the quote unquote like like the dudes on the other team, the guys that that are maybe like the, their top their top prospects or anything like that? Do you know that kind of stuff when you're coming up through? Yeah, because I mean, well, I, I did because like I would. Like the Baseball America magazine, you know what I mean? They would get that in the clubhouse and stuff like that. Oh, so you knew. Like, Wilma Flores was another one. He was like 16. <laughs> uh, so I got drafted in 08, and he was, I went to uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. He was with Kingsport. He was 16, and he was like, everybody knew who he was because he's like the youngest player in the league. But he was barreling everybody up. It was, so he, he was another one. Um, yeah, but to answer your question, you do know, like, cause, and that, that's another thing too, is like, you kind of have to fight the, um, like fight the hype a little bit, you know, cause it's like, oh man, he's a dude, you know what I mean? You start, you start buying into it and then you start like, speaking for myself, I started giving them too much credit, you know? So I was like, I was talking to my coach or coach Allen earlier today. He's the guy that like recruited me out of junior college. And he, he, he said a statement today or he, that I hadn't heard. He's like, don't overestimate your opponent and don't underestimate yourself. And so that, like, that resonated with me because, I mean, I've, like, fallen into that trap numerous times throughout my career. And so, like, to answer your question, yes, you do. You do know about, like, the, the top prospects coming up. And, uh, yeah, I, like, now, I mean, now with like the social media and everything, like, I don't think you can avoid it now. You know, I think it's, I think it's more, um, like in the players' faces in terms of like the, the way that the word is spread. So, if that makes sense, you know. I'm kind of surprised that organizations would put Baseball America in the clubhouse for guys to read just because you'd almost think they want guys to avoid that kind of stuff, like to avoid the hype of themselves or to avoid like, Maybe some negative press on, uh, of you know that, that's that's in there about them or like like you said just to kind of pump up opponents or I, I'm kind of surprised that, that that was something that, that big league clubs did. Oh uh, yeah, I, no, I, I thought it was. I always look forward to like I think it was around the All Star break when like the best tools things came out. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, like like I, I never yeah I, I didn't think it was one way or another. I, I don't think they put too much. Um, too much thought into it. I think it was just like, hey, you spent so much time in the clubhouse. Here's just something else that you can entertain yourself with, you know. Yeah. Um. But like, I th- I thought it was cool. Like, if you ever made it, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, that's pretty cool, you know. So. There's one last question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, you good. Go ahead. There's one last question I want to ask you. I know I've said I was going to wrap this up about 20 minutes ago, but it's, it's just uh-huh. been a very, an interesting conversation for me. I, I want to ask you about something that that just is sort of out of left field here, but just something I just, I just thought of for no real good reason. Um, when when Moneyball came out, when uh, when when everything with the, the A's were doing came out, and it was you know it was a book and it was a movie. Um, one of the things that that was kind of said at that time was that there's no such thing as guys that can play under pressure and they can't. Like it was all about numbers. Like if the numbers match up, 
if if this guy's numbers are good, then then he can play. If the numbers aren't good, he can't. And they and they took out like they they stopped paying attention to things like, they, you know, they kind of said like runners and your numbers with running runners in scoring position was just luck. It didn't mean anything. There was no such thing as a clutch hitter. There's no such thing as a as a as a, a big leaguer that that can or cannot perform under pressure. Because I guess the thought was that at some point, if you can't perform under pressure, you never would have made it to the big leagues in the first place. So things like that have kind of been pushed to the side. Like the immeasurable type of things have even in even like in high school and college ball when you get Rapsodo and um, uh, TrackMan involved, and like you start looking at all the metrics, like that kind of stuff gets pushed aside, and and like the immeasurable type things, like a guy's guts and his grit and his, you know, his, uh, you know, just how bad guys want to win, his competitiveness, those things just sort of uh, have have become, I think, less and less important in, in some circles, not certainly not all circles. So my last question for you is just that with with again with your big league experience. Do you believe that those things still exist? Do you believe those things are are things that separate guys? Are those things that keep guys in the big leagues for a long time? Like, do you think even among guys that have been in the big leagues for a long time, are there still guys that are better under pressure than other guys? Are there guys that, like, when it's you know when it's winning time, like you you just know that these guys are going to perform at their best, and other guys are going to perform like below what they're what they might if it was a not not as big of a pressure situation or is every situation in the big leagues pressure so pressure packed that that's like that's all you ever get whether you are, are a sixth inning guy or a ninth inning guy does that make sense that question yeah and i yeah i definitely think that there's pressure just <laughs> a thousand percent man like um yes and I, I think they know that now because it's like like don't they have a stat called leverage situations right Probably. So like, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. Right? Yeah, no, like that's a, like that's a thing. So it's like, like, yeah, I, I definitely think, yes, there's there's high pressure situations, and I think some more or some excel at it more so than others. Like a, a thousand percent, a thousand percent, yes. Like if you were scouting, <laughs> like, if you were scouting, or maybe just say you were scouting big leaguers, like for maybe you you know you were. Um, they have the the scouts that like will scout other teams before you go play them, uh, other teams to get a, you know like a recent report on them. Or maybe there are guys that scout other teams like for trades and whatnot. Like, is that something that if you were scouting would? I mean, is that something you would pay attention to? Is that something that you would take note of? Or or, or again, is it is it is it so much that like every situation so pressure packed? That's not really something that you'd pay a whole lot of attention to. Oh no, I, I think it's something you pay attention to, and I think like the coaches and the staff. They, I think, like they know, <laughs> like the coaches. Every, like I, from my experience, like everybody knows. Like, like, every, yeah, every, like, yeah, like that's something you pay attention to. And, like, okay, there's been all. times in my career. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sir. There's been times in my career where it's like, like the bullpen gate opens and it's like you know you feel like the collective eye roll from the <laughs> from from the people, like uh, <laughs> like. Oh yeah, freeze go. And then there's been other times where like the gates open. It's like okay, like we're, we're good, you know. So yeah, I like people pay attention to it. I I would pay attention to it, like definitely. Like I, yeah, I mean. In my yeah. only experiences as a college coach and scouting for college, and now you know now I'm an associate major league scout, but you know I'm not the one making the calls of who's getting drafted and who's not. But I believe those things are very real. I just wanted to see your perspective because again, that was sort of the Moneyball uh, 
focus on on sabermetrics was kind of like dismissive of that sort of stuff like you don't necessarily need to see guys in person as much if their numbers say they're good they're good and and that's it's not something i never i ever fully believed in i just that's another thing i just wanted to get your perspective because of what you've been through well yeah no like there's a like there's a statistical category that they use to evaluate like pitchers or relievers and that's like leverage situations like i don't know i don't know how they quantify what's or consider what's leverage and what's not, but it's like there's a category to where it's like, hey, like if you're pitching in certain leverage situations compared to when you're not, like especially going through arbitration, it's like they'll like like if you're if you have a like a decent season, but the like you aren't in like high leverage situations, is like that gets brought up. So it's like I say that to say it's like that's a thing, you know, like what they consider like high leverage, like they view that as like, um, like they put a higher priority on like the high leverage than the non high leverage situation. So like that leads me to believe it's like that exists, right? And I'm glad people still think it does. Cause I, I just, I think anybody who's ever played, even if you're a really good player at your level, just say you're in high school and you're dominating high school baseball, there's still a big difference between a really important at-bat with the season on the line or, or, a, or a postseason game. There's a different level of of pressure, of adrenaline, than there is in just in kind of a... Not, I mean, every game's important, but but like in you know in the third inning of a of a game that's maybe not against one of the best opponents, and it's it's you know it's a I don't know one nothing game, and nothing real crazy is going on. It's just it's a different level. So uh, anyway, just something I thought I'd bring up. This is Sam Freeman, everybody. He's uh, uh, played parts of nine major league seasons, uh, or nine, parts, parts of nine seasons in the big leagues with several different teams. Uh, Sam, this has been really enjoyable. I, I know we probably went over time today, but just a lot of stuff to talk about. I've really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I know you're a busy guy rehabbing and, and you know finding your way uh, you know back to a big league club in 2022, but I certainly appreciate the time you spent with us here today. Oh, for sure, man. Thank you for uh, sharing your platform. I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, yeah, thank you again.